My name's Brad. I'm part of the teaching leadership team here at Jericho Ridge. And uh, I also have a story for us. And this story begins uh, 102 years ago. On Christmas Eve, actually, it unfolds in 1914. And that night, both the British and the German troops were dug deep into their trenches and in the winter mud and rain. It was miserable and cold. And World War I was just five months uh, in, and yet all hope of peace seemed long ways away. And the troops received that morning a delivery. And so there were small trinkets like chocolate and uh, even a new soccer ball had been delivered and cherished. But those deliveries actually brought also memories of the fact that they were far from home and warm hearths and safety. And so how in the world do you have a little bit of Christmas in the middle of a war zone? The diaries and the letters that were written from both sides speak of a strange quiet that fell over the front that night. By 8 p.m., Noises of war were at a standstill, and a holy kind of quiet descended over the Western Front. And then something remarkable happened, something that no one expected, and no one planned, and no one could have predicted. Take a look at this video. Jenkins. Okay. My name is Jim. My name is Otto. Pleased to meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. Um, schön, um, schön.
Ich weiß. Frohe Weihnachten. remarkable event took place right in the middle of a war zone. A peace came just in a small measure, just for a small period of time through small gestures reciprocated to a people where it seemed it did not and could not belong, and yet it came. In this way, this story actually mirrors something of the account of Christmas on that first Christmas day. Because that day, peace came to our world in ways that were quite unexpected and not widely understood and embraced even to this day. And yet, it came. See, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, it speaks of the coming of one who would bring peace. And then, as now, centuries of longing and waiting and questioning occurred. And yet Isaiah 9, 6 proclaims, A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful. He will be called Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And yet the first Christmas is anything but peaceful. Think about it for a few minutes. A perilous journey that Joseph undertakes to Bethlehem with Mary being almost ready to give birth. And then we have the shame and the scorn around Mary and her extended family that they have to deal with because she claims that an angel told her that the baby would be born to her as the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior. And the circumstances of the birth, of any birth really, are really anything but peaceful. The carol that we sang, Away in a Manger, that line, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes, ridiculous nonsense. The birth occurs in a barn. There's no way the baby was not screaming about itchy hay, swaddling clothes, or anything the normal newborn screech about. The night was not silent, whatever it was. We can promise you that. But amidst all of this chaos, amidst all of the noise, amidst all of the displacement and the shame and the personal discomfort and the loneliness and the fear, at its heart, it's actually still a story of peace. And that's because Jesus, who arrived in our world fully God and fully human that night, is described to us and heralded as the Prince of Peace, the one who will bring peace. That's one thing that I think makes Christmas a unique and special time of year. On a night like tonight, there's a stillness. There's kind of a quietness that can do strange things, like cause people to lay down their weapons in the middle of a war zone and share moments of genuine human connection with each other. Because we're still searching for some kind of peace. The challenge, however is that even in nights like tonight, or in places that we find ourselves in relative calm, 
peace still has an elusive quality to it. I mean, if we're honest with each other, maybe some of us have been rushing about for the last couple of weeks leading up to today, baking and shopping and working extra hours to pay for stuff. And still to come is the challenge of confronting all of those some assembly required toys that come as we wrestle things out of overpackaged hype and rescue ourselves and others from the pains of disappointment when the exact request isn't quite fulfilled. Or we watch the news and we're reminded every day that we live in a world that is riddled with conflict and strife. Millions and millions of people displaced from their homes from a five and a half year long conflict in Syria. Some of them like the Barsomians right here into our own little community. We have events like fires that tear through apartment complexes here in our city and good people lose most everything they own. People still choose to do things like drive trucks in Berlin into crowded Christmas markets as a statement of political and ideological extremism or the chaos in our own lives, some of the broken relationships that we come face to face with, or the tensions at work, or in our family, or the challenges of finances. Everything in our world seems designed to pull us away from peace. But I wonder if some of our challenge in experiencing peace might have something to do with how we define and describe it. You see, if we see peace as a complete and utter absence of conflict and challenge, we're unlikely to have peace, either personally or in any other setting, because we're all going to experience some kind of hardship and trouble. Jesus himself actually promised us this. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says this, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But, he says, I have told you all of this, not so that you can become overcome with fear, but I have told you this so that you may have peace. Peace in me. Bishop N.T. Wright in his book, How God Became King, says it this way in talking about the coming of Jesus into our world. It isn't that things were not as bad as we had thought. In fact, they were worse. The story was stalled, stagnant, running out of hope. It required a fresh act of divine mercy to do what was needed. Maybe your story's running out of hope. See, just like those soldiers on the battlefront, there's a longing in the human heart to experience some sense of peace. Trying to figure out how we find it is the challenge because a question gnaws at us in our quieter moments. How do we find peace in a world like the one in which we live? Not only a peace for this life, but a peace for the life to come as well. Peace with ourselves, peace with those around us, peace with God. But it's precisely to answer this question that Jesus came. And it's precisely because of the state of the world and the state of our own lives that, again, we need to visit the manger and hear again the promise of peace that was pointed out to the shepherds 
and also to you and me because Jesus made another promise. And the promise that he made is articulated in John chapter 14, 27, where Jesus says, I'm giving you a gift. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace. Peace in your mind and peace in your heart. The peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give to you. It doesn't have that quality to it. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. See, Jesus reminds us again and again and again, all through his life and his death and his resurrection, that the peace that he's describing is not a peace found in circumstances. It's not a peace found in how we feel or what's going on around us. It's not even found in a place. It's actually found in a person. It's found in him. Peace isn't the product of circumstances. It's the presence of a relationship with the God of the universe, the Prince of Peace, who promised this gift to those who were in relationship with him. And this is the gift that God himself came to demonstrate and to live out on that night long ago in Bethlehem. In Luke chapter 1, it says that we're promised, his promise to us was to guide our feet into the paths of peace. So what does it look like to actually choose to walk in the path of peace? Well, we need to begin by acknowledging that allowing our footsteps to be guided in the path of peace is not an easy proposition. On the battlefield that Christmas Eve of 1914, it took that one soldier being willing to actually raise his hands and step up out of the trenches and climb up out onto the battlefield and take that risk. And then another person being willing to do the same. See, by military standards, consorting with the enemy is treason, and that's grounds for court-martial. And yet the peace that broke out on that battlefield, we saw in that little clip, it wasn't a continuous peace that just swept up and down the Western Front. It was very isolated in small little pockets. You could hear the fighting continuing to their left and to their right. Some soldiers still chose to pick up weapons and fight, yet in certain places... With certain people, there was peace and moments of human charity. Choosing peace can be risky because it may not be reciprocated. But choosing peace can be a possibility if you're willing to take the first step and to try. What do I mean by that? Well, we can choose to embrace peace in very simple ways. Maybe by not choosing to return a harsh word when a sibling or family member wrongs us or brings up a past hurt. We can choose peace by giving generously of our finances and our time to organizations who stand against oppression and violence. We can choose simple acts of kindness, like doing the dishes when it's not your turn this Christmas, or standing up to those who are belittling others. You see, when we do these things, we become partners with God in his desire for peace on earth. It's not always perfect, but it's a step on the path of peace, which is always a step in the right direction. 
but it is risky. And you have to be willing sometimes to take that first step and try. Another way we can choose peace is to recognize that though we might not be dug in like those soldiers and sharing that same misery on the Western Front, each of us do have our own battles raging. And people all around you have battles raging. Some live with loss in their family. And that becomes especially painful at Christmas. Some of us live with deep sense of fear and uncertainty. What's going to come next in 2017? Unknown situations beyond your control. What about my job? Is it stable? Will my house sell? If I sell it, will I be able to find another house? What if my health fails? Will my money hold up long enough for the plans that I have? See, choosing peace is an act of trust. It's an act of trusting God in the midst of uncertainty because God is always faithful to his promises. And so when Jesus says, I'm going to give you a sense of peace, it's not like the world gives. It's a peace for your heart, a peace for your mind that will keep and guard your heart and your mind. It's an element of trusting God in the midst of uncertainty. And it can be challenged to do it. But just like those soldiers, it takes a level of trust and confidence to actually stick your hands up in the air and choose to embrace what it is that Jesus offers. It's risky, but this is what the shepherds chose to do that first Christmas night, to take the risk that what the angels told them might actually be true, that the Prince of Peace had come into their world, to their town in the most humble and surprising and unexpected of ways. But they still chose to actually act on it and to go and see. And the same thing and the same choice is true for you and I here tonight. So we have to choose to climb up out of the little trenches that we create in our lives or the big trenches that encompass our lives. Hands raised, not as a gesture of hopeless resignation, but as a gesture of confident surrender. See, Jesus is clear that while he came to bring peace, the peace that he gives is not just an absence of conflict for a short period of time. His peace is his presence and a deep and abiding sense of assurance and confidence, even in the midst of challenging storms. Though a battle may rage all around, peace can actually be found in him. And perhaps tonight you've actually never experienced that sense of peace. The peace that comes from knowing Jesus in a personal and vital way. The peace that comes that actually allows you to take those steps of confident trust. That frees you from fear. That frees you from an anxiety that cripples you when you think about the future or about death because Jesus came to bring light. He came to bring life. He came to bring hope. He came to bring peace to you. And if you want to receive those things, then you do that by simply praying and in confident faith, sticking your hands up, not as an act of defiance, but as an act of gentle surrender and risking that what he says might actually be true.
I'm going to pray for you and pray with you. I'm going to ask Megan and the team are going to come and they're going to lead us in additional songs of reflection and songs of hope. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you that you have promised us peace and that you are always faithful to your promise. There'll be many of us here tonight, God, who aren't actively experiencing that from circumstances pressing in around us, cares and concerns of this life, worries, anxiety. And so, Father, I pray that today you would remind us again of your promise of peace, that you are the one who can guide our feet to the pathway of peace. And so we choose, Father, to embrace that and in faith raise our hands to you in surrender and say, God, would you again grant me that gift of peace of mind and heart that you have promised? Pray specifically for those who maybe have never made that choice and have never actively embraced you. And they feel sometimes in a place like there's a battle continuously raging inside and around them. And so God, I pray for those tonight that would want to take that step and say, I want to experience that peace that Jesus has come to offer. And so if that's you, you would just do it by saying, Jesus, I actually believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you have come to bring peace into my life. Peace with God, peace that begins now and will go on for eternity. And so I choose to receive that gift tonight by faith. And so God, I pray uh, that for those who are choosing to receive that, that you would, again, be faithful to your promise. You are a God who is always close and near to those who call on you. And so God, we pray that as we continue in through a time of worship and responding to you, that you would again gift us with that sense of your confidence, peace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. The ushering team is going to come and we're going to receive an offering this morning or this evening rather. If you're here with us, and you'd like to participate in that, you're more than welcome to. If you're visiting with us, don't feel an obligation to participate in any way. And uh, just as we do that, Megan and the team are going to lead us in a song, and a video will be playing uh, just in the background as they lead us in that. And this video highlights again for us that sense of a lot of the things that have happened in our world in 2016. And so you may just want to take some time just to be still and quiet and to pray as God brings things to your mind and people all around our world to pray for in this moment, in this night, who may not be experiencing that sense of peace. And it points us again to where peace can be found. And then we'll continue with singing together. <laughs>